0: Welcome to the fourth episode of the Easier Said the Dawn podcast. My name is Brendan Donahue. Joined with me, Dave Toscano and Bob Horgan. Fellas, how we doing?
1: What's up?
2: Fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's been a, been somewhat of a low-key week. You know, we're starting to get into March. Um, March is always the, the, the pinnacle of winter sports, I would say. We got NFL free agencies coming up, spring training. March Madness, conference tournaments, all that's starting to come at us pretty fast here. Uh, we're going to just hop right into it. Celtics, uh, 0-3. and 3 7-14 and in their last 21. Lost to the Pelicans on Sunday, in which they blew a 24-point lead. The They lost to the Mavs, which, you know, Luca, Luca just did Luca things. On, Disgusting! Disgusting! There's a reason that he's as highly regarded as he is, and and he showed that. And then just getting absolutely manhandled by the Hawks last night. What else can we say that we haven't said already, Bob?
2: Yeah. No. Um, this was just not a not a good week. This was just. I think this was just a accumulation of. Everything and then it just all kind of went to shit. Three, I mean, I think looking at the schedule, if you saw this this three game stretch, you think three and oh, not oh, and three. Um, they need help. Um, I think I saw a quote from Jason Tatum today that was just basically like, Yeah, the season kind of just rolls on. Um, I kind of just think they're they're tired, man. They don't look there's no energy. Um, again, Marcus Smart, need them out there. Kemba is, yeah, Kemba is kind of just iffy. Um, he is not the Kemba Walker that we thought we were getting. Um, I, again, I'm not nervous. Um, we got, you know, two all-stars. We got two really good players, and we got some complementary pieces that can work together. I mean, we are in the Eastern Conference Finals last year with the same team. It's just some guys are out. And a couple differences, obviously, you know, Gordon Hayward, which is bigger than I think anyone expected. Um, but, I, again, it's not – the season isn't over by means. Uh, again, I wouldn't mind to see a trade or two get a score in off the bench. Um, but, yeah, just – as a Celtics – I'm not I'm not thrilled as a Celtics fan right now. Leave it at that.
1: I'll take it back off Bob and say it's definitely not – it's definitely not over. There's there's still a little bit of time. I think the toughest one to swallow is definitely the Pelicans game. Up 24 and you blow that lead. Like You start the game building, uh, building that lead, fast-paced, aggressive game, and then all of a sudden feel like you just take your foot off the pedal, slowly let them back into the game. And then just at the end, Zion and Josh Hart really just started to take over. And then I guess against the Hawks, you could say that Gallinari was just an absolute animal, like there's nothing you can do about a guy shooting lights out like that and um Trey Young was good offensively again, but i don't know i I still would give it a little bit of time, but Brad Stevens is definitely starting to get on the hot seat you know i don't i don't think i don't think Stevens gets
0: fired unless they like lose out at this point you know he's a coach that's brought in you. Or I should rephrase that. He won't get uh, he won't get fired mid-season unless they lose out. Um he he's a coach that's brought them to the Eastern Conference Finals what three out of the last four years, five years? Um yeah, three out of the last four years. I think it's time to put a little pressure on Danny Age though. I said it last week. You have a historic trade exception waiting in the wings. It's time to make a splash. It's inexcusable to not make a trade. It really is. You're at a point here where, you know, you don't really have the heart and soul of your team, Marcus Smart. I get that. Even if he's not on the floor, there's no reason for them to look the way that they've looked. He was on, I think it was Toucher and Rich today, saying that they've come close on a couple of deals. Danny, it's time to stop coming with this close talk and actually do something here. You have $28.5 million worth a trade exception where you can literally get whoever you want. You have two studs there. Kemba, we're going to have to start to accept the fact that A, he's not getting traded. B, he's going to have games where he goes one for 14 from three, like he did against New Orleans. And he's going to also have games where he goes six for eight from three. I think that's what we're just going to have to come, you know, to expect and, and to accept. The bench is full of young guys, but if, I think this is the thing. If, if you go back and you keep looking at these, these Celtics teams in the past couple of years and compare them to the teams that have gone on and won things in the NBA, it's their bench. The bench is full of experienced NBA guys on all of those teams that go for it, or that go on and win. If you go look back at all of these Celtics rosters, they're full of guys that have been' dra- that have only been in the league two, three years. You know, you need you need a veteran presence off the bench. If you go and look at the bench, the only guy that's coming off of it that, I mean, it's tough to say because the, the lineup's always changing, but the guy who's routinely coming off the bench who has more than, like, three years of NBA experience right now is Jeff Teague or, you know, whichever one of Daniel Tice and Tristan Thompson doesn't start. Other than that, it's Niesmith who's a rookie. It's Peyton Pritchard who's a rookie. Who knows when we see Romeo Langford again. Um... Uh, Carson Edwards, spotty minutes, you know, you got to get somebody who's going to help you, you know, maybe be a big man. I would love to see Steven Adams. You have a trade exception. He fits under that salary. I know he's not even being shopped, but like he's always been my dream fit for the Celtics, but you got to find one of these guys who are available and just finally, just bite the bullet, give up a first round pick. That's probably going to be meaningless anyways, and just do it.
2: I agree. Um, I yeah the benches again these guys are all like, they're good college players Carson Edwards was absolutely filthy in college I've been kind of floating this idea out of my mind and we talk about you know you need the bench score you need the bench score what if you floated or not floated but sent Kemba Walker to the bench and had him come off the bench I mean again that would mean probably Peyton Pritchard starting or. It's when Marcus is back, it's Marcus and the two bigs, which I don't like the two big lineup, by the way. I think that's not a good fit for us. Um, but again, what, what if you threw him off the bench? You know, there's your, vet, your veteran off the bench, um, a guy that you know has the capability to score freaking 30 points any given night. There will be, again, you're saying there will be games where we're like, shit, kemba Walker's back. And then there will be games where it's like, kemba Walker's going to be the, the guy to blame. Um, but, yeah, that's just kind of my thought. You, you need bench help, obviously, clearly. There are guys you can go and get. Um, I don't know if I would use a trade exception now. I think they were kind of talking about with the trade exception in the off season. it's easier to use. Um, some guys went out of there, and it's easier to get a guy out of a place in the off season than during the season. Um, but, yeah, basically, you need help. And I'll kind of float two more ideas out there. One – maybe I'll float three. One, Aaron E. Smith has looked really good lately which is an encouraging sign. Um, I want him to get more minutes. Maybe some of those semi-minutes. Just semi's your third wing. If semi's your third wing in the NBA, you're not a great team. I mean, of course, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, then semi overlay. That's kind of disgusting. Um, two, Brad, if you fire Brad, where do you go? I don't see, I mean, geez, shortlist, I don't know if we talked about this last week, but Greg Popovich I'd have, Steve Kerr probably, Spolstra, maybe Nick Nurse, but Brad's a top five guy in the league, so I I don't want to throw him away. I mean, he's freaking 40 years old. He's one of the youngest coaches in the league. And then third, nothing to do with the Celtics. Well, their loss. Those last two possessions by Luka Doncic were some of the most impressive basketball I've seen. Um, That was just – I was sick, and I give credit where credit's due. He hit two freaking big ball shots. If you lose on that, you
0: lose, I guess. I don't, that Going was, back to that, that bench point, your bench in the Atlanta game, granted Marcus is hurt and Romeo's hurt, but Romeo just adds to this point. But and, the guys who came, and the guys who come off the bench, Grant Williams in his second year, Peyton Pritchard in his first year, Robert Williams in his third year, Aaron Niesmith in his first year, Javante Green in his second year, Carson Edwards in his second year, Tremont Waters in his second year, Taco in his second year, Semi Ogilvy in his fifth year. I mean, there's – you're on the youngest team in basketball. I don't know how you can't think that, like, a, a veteran presence would be invaluable. You need a leader. And, you know, Kemba is a leader, but leaders lead by example, and he's not exactly doing that right now. Um, does the trade exception expire? I think at the, the start of next season. Okay. I think. I So, like, a year from the, from the trade. Yeah.
2: I don't, I don't really know 100%, but.
0: Yeah. Well, and especially because this offseason will be a little bit different. So, mm. not, not 100% sure. Um, Dave, anything else?
1: Uh, entertainment value for Steven Adams would be through the roof. Yeah, no, he looks like Aquaman. <laughs> All right, uh, let's
0: move on to college basketball here. Um, big week for college basketball. We're starting to get to the to the bubble um, bubble watch, I guess you could say. Sunday, big win for Michigan over Ohio State. I think you could say we learned about as much as we learned about Michigan in that game as we did about Ohio State. Ohio State was thoroughly impressive. Um, those two teams are going to go at it again. I'm sure, probably in the Big Ten championship, I wouldn't even be surprised. But in that league, you don't know. Some other big results: um, Texas beating Kansas on Tuesday night. Texas needed that win since January seventh. They had three wins, and those two wins were against, or those three wins were against Kansas State twice and TCU. So a much needed win over a big opponent. Uh, also, Oklahoma State beats Texas Tech on Monday night. Big result for the Cowboys. They were on the bubble a little bit. That win should probably cement their spot for right now in there. Uh, and a team that I love, Georgia Tech, beats Virginia Tech first game out of the quarantine. Uh, big, big result for them. They got three games left. It's Syracuse, Duke, and Wake Forest until the ACC tournament. They're going to have their chance to to get to cement their spot in uh, March Madness as well. What, what caught your guys' eye? Yeah, I'll start.
2: Uh, Duke, Duke is back, I think. I don't know. I hate Duke. I hate Duke, but I don't really get what happened. I mean, this Jalen Johnson kid, I don't want to bring up this point because it's. I think it's all that's been talked about when Duke's been brought up. Like, Jalen Johnson kind of just leaving has actually helped them. Uh, addition by subtraction, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think Duke's going to sneak in. I hate Duke again, but they're gonna sneak it. They look good. Um, the ACC is even worse than we think. I'm pretty sure. Couple of gross losses. Virginia. Virginia lost last night or Tuesday night. Virginia's actually lost back-to-back games. Duke and NC State. Um,
0: bad Jer- loss against
2: NC State. Yeah, bad loss. Um, yeah. Baylor looked shaky too. I don't. They look shaky. One tidbit on Oklahoma State. I love them actually right now, but they are under NCAA suspension, but they have appealed it, so they might not be tournament eligible. Um, but, yeah, besides that, uh, just, again, college, college basketball is the best sport sporting event or sport kind of throughout the year because on any given night, any team can be anybody, which I just think makes it awesome. Um, But, yeah, you kind of saw this week some upsets. Even Illinois went down. So Oklahoma went down last night or two. Alabama went down like five through eight. I'm pretty sure all of them lost this week. So interesting.
1: Yeah, I think I'll hit on the Blue Bloods a little bit. We kind of disrespected them last week. We already mentioned Duke, but also Kentucky. They beat Tennessee, who's 19th at the time. Kentucky's got three wins in a row and they're not losing by a lot to their other SEC opponents. So I wouldn't count out a tournament run in the SEC. And the same thing goes for Duke in the ACC because we talked about how the ACC has been pretty shitty this year. Um, Duke's won a couple in a row. They're gaining some momentum. They could definitely uh, make a run. And Oklahoma State, we already talked about a little bit, but I had them written down they're a very under the radar team i I didn't know about the thing you mentioned, Bob uh, that would obviously put a wrench in things, but um they're a very good team. I mean, look at these wins I mean they've got Cade Cunningham, one of the best in the country they've got Texas Tech twice when they were unranked, and Texas Tech was ranked. They had Texas when they were six, Kansas when they were six, and Arkansas who is now uh twenty and I think it's ridiculous that they're not in the top twenty five The last time I checked they weren't um They should definitely be in the top 25 next time around. And I really do think – I think they're going to beat Oklahoma rivalry game um, coming up this weekend. Some other big upsets uh,
0: to mention, Arizona taking down USC last Saturday since we last talked. Like we said, Duke took down UVA. Monday we had Oklahoma State beating Texas Tech. Tuesday, Kansas State beating Oklahoma. That was a big upset. Baylor got scared in their first game back against Iowa State, lost the first half, uh, but ended up coming back and beating Iowa State by five. That would have been a bad loss for Baylor, but not like they were going to lose their number one spot there. Georgia Tech beating Virginia Tech. Michigan State beating Illinois. Yesterday we had Arkansas. Arkansas is a team that I cannot figure out. uh, Beat Alabama. Alabama. And NC State beat Virginia. So, you know, a lot of big games coming up this weekend. We'll talk about that later towards the gambling part of the show. But, you know, there, there's, there's going to be an interesting couple of weeks coming here. And, you know, conference tournament week is always the week that determines who's in, who's out. And we missed that last year. And thank God we have it back this year because I, I missed it thoroughly. So um, we're gonna segue into the next portion, which is uh, Cam Newton being absolutely disrespected at, was it his own camp? Yeah. It was his own camp, got a little kid telling him that he's trash. His response is, I'm rich. He goes, okay, well, you're a free agent. He goes, okay, well, I'm rich. And he said, okay, but you're still trash. And then Cam's response is, where is your debt?" And I don't know what to read of it. You know, I feel bad for Cam. He was a great quarterback. He's not the same quarterback anymore. But at the same point, he is trash. He's trash. I think Cam's still, like, in his head –
2: I think, again, we all like to think of ourselves as better than we really are. I just feel like in Cam's head, he thinks he's still like the guy, which, believe me, Cam Newton is, I don't know if he's a legend, but like for the next 25 years, I'm going to remember Cam Newton. Um,
0: he was a top five quarterback in the NFL for like a four year period.
2: Yeah, I mean, he won an MVP, but I was the Super Bowl. You can't really ask for much more in a quarterback. Yeah, um, I, I don't really know what to think. I th- This kid um, definitely. Definitely needed to find his dad because I'm pretty sure his dad probably would have been like, dude, what the hell are you doing? That's Cam Newton. Like, respect the dude.
0: I don't know how you can go into somebody's camp who's running it and then just absolutely ruthlessly roast him like that. Something that caught uh, my attention, he – I don't know who the interview was with, but Cam talked about his relationship with Bill Belichick. And he said – He said that Bill Belichick is the most uh, misunderstood dude in sports and that he's a dope guy, which is starting to make me second guess. Are the Patriots going to re-sign Cam Newton? Or is Cam Newton trying to, like, sweeten up to Bill Belichick and be like, hey, remember me? We had a fun couple of weeks.
2: He's trying to sweeten the pot. I, I, if you, okay. My Patriots quick take is: I would sign a quarter, a veteran quarterback, on a one or two year deal. I would draft the best possible quarterback you can draft. So, is Cam Newton that veteran who you want leading your next quarterback?
0: So, I think, I think before we really get into it, I think we should probably analyze here who's available. So. Jimmy G is a potential free agent, but you don't know. There's talks that Teddy Bridgewater is unhappy. I would like Teddy Bridgewater, but we'll talk about that afterwards. We're hearing that Russell Wilson isn't asking for a trade, but, you know, he wouldn't even play at the Patriots, he said. Um, he's only got, like, four teams that he would want to play at. I think it's the Bears, the Raiders, the Saints, and I forget what the other team was. Um, Another option is Jacoby Brissett's a free agent, which I don't think that's going to be a thing.
2: Knows the playbook.
0: Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm sure there's probably two or three other guys. Mitch Trubisky, I don't think he's going to be going anywhere. Andy Dalton's out there. Andy Dalton. I'm missing like two more. Tyrod Taylor. And And then... You know, obviously, there's probably five quarterbacks that are going to go in the first round. It remains to be seen if any of those guys are going to drop to the Patriots. Bob is a huge Trey Lance fan. I know he he wants the Pats to draft Trey Lance.
2: I'm not a Trey Lance guy.
0: Bob's a big Mac Jones guy. Um, But, I mean, I don't know what the Pats can do here. Obviously, all these quarterbacks are going to have to find teams, and the quarterback market has shrunk since the last time we really had to analyze it. You know, Detroit's got a quarterback. LA's got a quarterback. Um, who was the other trade that happened? Oh, Indy's got a quarterback. Philly's got a quarterback. So now we're kind of into this part where if the Jets are going to stick with Darnold, how does that affect you?
1: Um, and then we can cut. Just we can cut. Just start where your <laughs> <from, where you're laughs> old
0: phone calls. The Jets are at a point where, you know, you don't know if San Darnold's coming back or not or what their future is with them. Um, So, you know, the quarterback market has shrunk, but there is still a bunch of pieces that still need to fall. And I think that bodes well for the Patriots, all things considered. There's probably four or five viable free agent quarterbacks that could realistically start for you. And there's also five quarterbacks out there that could probably be your future quarterback. So, that remains to be seen, Bob. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think I'm. I kind of said earlier. I'm. I'm team go sign a veteran, and then you draft a kid. Um, if Cam Newton's that guy that you know you feel comfortable, kind of, he might be your starter for the next year. I just think that with Cam, there are a lot of limitations. Um, like looking at it, would you rather just throw money at Ryan Fitzpatrick and have him? come around and school around for a year and be that kind of veteran presence in the locker room, kind of guide some young guy. Um, also, a little tidbit, I've been following Damian Harris on Instagram. Him and Mac Jones are both Bama guys, but they're,
0: like, boys. We won't, I saw that guy mentioned in uh, Mac Jones' Senior Bowl interview. Yeah,
2: we won't look into that too much. But, I, I, yeah, I just think that you need – I don't know, can't, you know, there is this, like, appealing aspect of Cam Newton where it's like, it's Cam Newton, you know, like, yeah, it's Cam Newton, but that's also, like, it's the guy who also couldn't throw a ball freaking eight yards to save his life.
0: So, I was convinced Cam Newton was going to turn into, like, regular Cam Newton for the yeah. like, week. No, I did, too. Weeks four I did too. through probably 12, and then I just got that, that Seattle game, uh, For can we talk
2: about this, too, just, again, this quick 20 seconds? We used to run like that, wicked heavy package with direct snap the cam and let him figure it out. I don't think I saw that the rest of the year. After, I don't know. I yeah.
0: So I think what happened there was uh, Jermaine Elmenor got injured, and then he didn't come back for like six or seven weeks. And he was the guy that was like the tight end in that package. Same tackle. Yeah. Tackle. Yeah. Um, that's what I saw on it. But even when he came back, they kind of abandoned it, too. So, you know, who knows? Yeah. Um, Champions League. We had on Tuesday
1: this week. Uh, Tuesday was – who played, Dave? Bayern and Lazio and yes. Chelsea and Atletico.
0: Yep. So, Chelsea and Atletico. Chelsea won one nothing off of a stunner of a bike from Olivier Giroud. And Bayern just manhandled Lazio 4-1. Uh, there was a little bit of question as to whether Bayern kind of lost their mojo that uh, going into it in the last two Bundesliga games had tied against the second-to-worst team in the Bundesliga and then uh, lost to Eintracht Frankfurt, who's a quality opponent, but, you know, an opponent that you would expect uh, Bayern to take care of. You know, they had a shortened bench too. They only had five subs, I think, available. And in Champions League, I think you're allowed like nine or ten. They had a bunch of squad injuries and they've sent a bunch of guys up on loan. So, you know, good to see Bayern, or depending on who you root for. And if you don't like Bayern, it was good to see Bayern kind of get their form back. uh, I bet on them midweek in Champions League, so that was good for me. Uh, And then Chelsea and Atletico, probably the two most defensive teams, which is ironic considering how many attacking players that Chelsea has bought over the past year and a half. But one nothing. Chelsea's got to be in a pretty good spot here. Uh, they go into the second leg, up a goal. Atletico is a team that has uh, struggled to keep clean sheets. I think I saw that that was the eighth, no, maybe ninth straight game that Atletico has played without uh, letting a, a team score on them, uh, which is a pretty wild number, all things considered. Um, Dave, thoughts on those two games?
1: Yeah, Atletico is a little bit shorthanded. They didn't have Trippier, uh, Jimenez, Roshako, or Carrasco. But, yeah, I mean, Chelsea played a really good – had a really good game and uh, pretty compact uh, defensively. Uh, And Giroud always seems to come up with, like, a crazy goal, like, out of nowhere. You could literally – you could convince someone who doesn't watch soccer to that Giroud is the best player in the world. The, The amount of worldies this guy scores.
0: I think something that I forgot to mention that's probably concerning if you're an American now, that's the last six games, Pulisic has not started, uh, for the exception of one FA Cup game. Um, the new coach, Thomas Tuchel, was asked what Pulisic's future at Chelsea was, and he said that you know he wants him in the club, but obviously it's going to be the club's decision ultimately which kind of sounds like, yeah, I don't know, we'll see. I'm not really sure yet. Um, he was Pulisic's former manager at his last club, Borussia Dortmund, and that was the club that Polisic stopped getting playing time with before he was sold to Chelsea. Um, so definitely a storyline to follow here. Also coming off of the heels of a rumor that he could be headed to Bayern this summer. Bayern Munich, um, going back to Germany where he started his professional career, Bayern are European champions currently. Uh, Bundesliga nine-time champion in a row so it's one to follow I'm not sure it has legs just yet but considering the fact that Tuchel and Pulisic don't have the best history and they haven't played much definitely one to follow
1: Dave what were your thoughts on the Bayern game uh yeah I'll touch on Pulisic a little bit I don't think uh it's definitely not something to worry about really um wherever he lands if he does decide to leave or if the club decides to move on from him um, he'll be fine. I think as a US fan, you should probably just worry about other things. Pulisic is gonna be in the team. He's gonna be your best player going forward. So that's that's not gonna change regardless of how many minutes he gets at Chelsea. Um and he could replace Coleman at Bayern. So that was that's where your rumor has a little bit of legs. Um but Bayern, yeah, a good bounce back win against Lazio. It definitely helped that. Lazio had a completely shite defensive game. Um, Literally nice through ball to Lewandowski for that first goal (laughs) from the defender. Um, Musiala, I don't know how to pronounce that, but. uh, Musiala. Musiala, 17 year old. I believe he um, pledged his allegiance to Germany, not England, where I think he grew up in England and was born in Germany or is it the other way around? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Yeah, well. Uh, Yeah, he could be good in the future. Um, Sané with another goal and then an own goal. Uh, Correa got one back for Lazio, but it's obviously over at this point. Um, Yeah, I think we can definitely – we can start talking about the other two games, though, uh, on the next day.
0: Yeah, and just just to note that that was the first leg. So if Lazio were to come back, they would need uh, five away goals – to, to, to advance, which probably isn't going to happen at Bayern. Uh, we'll move on to Wednesday's game. Man City go, uh, goes to – I don't know if they were at home or not. Uh, anyways, they played Gladbach 2-0. Uh, they continue to roll on, probably the hottest team in Europe. We talked about it last week. Jesus with one and Bernardo Silva with one. You know, it, it's tough seeing anyone to stop them right now. And they're playing a hot West Ham team. This weekend that I think is going to be a really, really entertaining game to watch. But we'll see if West Ham brings the game to them or they kind of try and sit back and counterattack. That remains to be seen. But uh, Man City continues to go about their business. And then in the second game, Real Madrid against Atalanta. Atalanta goes down to 10 men. Uh, How fast was it into the game? 17 minutes into the game. They got a red card, kind of a questionable red card, if you ask me. Real Madrid struggled to break down that defense, and it looked like it was going to go 0-0, but Furlan Mendy with a peach of a goal, if we're going to be completely honest with you. He's left-footed, but it was a right-footed curler from about 20 yards out with about five minutes left in regular time. They now have that one goal advantage, but it's also an away goal, so it's going to be important going into the second leg.
1: Dave, thoughts on these two games? Uh, yeah, Man City is a train right now. There's no stopping them. Uh, they have won 19 games in a row in all competitions. It's pretty ridiculous. They are 10 points clear on top of the Premier League, and they will be easily moving on against uh Gladbach when they play again, I believe in three weeks' time. Um, that one definitely could have been four or five nothing. They were just absolutely dominant. In um, the Real Madrid game, questionable red card, as you said, on the touch, it was just outside the box. He was going away from goal. I would have been fine, and I'm sure a lot of people would have been fine with the yellow card there, and that really kind of ruined the game for Atalanta. They had to defend for the next, you know, 70 minutes, and they almost got away with it. A 0-0 would have been a great result for them considering the early red card. Um, But, again, Mendy scored that that goal late on, and, I mean, it's not a bad result by any means. 1-0 is fine, uh, especially considering the red card. But they would have liked to get out zero zero. Definitely not over though. Yeah, like you said,
0: um, if you I think if
1: you told Atlanta fans
0: that they were going to go down a man for seventy minutes and they were only going to come out down one nothing, I think they will take that. It also only letting up one away goal is huge for them going into the second leg. They have the advantage on away goals as long as they score one. And they score a lot of goals, so. They do. Yeah, they're a feisty team. They don't have a lot of big names, but they got a lot of young guys that and they're really entertaining to watch. They'll always put up a good fight against especially the big dogs. Um, I think they went to the quarterfinals last year? Or am I making that up? No, they had a run. I, I believe it was quarterfinals. Uh, and to segue off our soccer talk here, uh, we're now going to go to a, our first interview on the Easier Said Than Don podcast. Uh, me, Dave, and Bob had a chance to sit down with Josh Bauer, played his college ball, uh, college soccer, I should say, here at UNH, just recently drafted by Atlanta United in the second round of the draft. He was down in Atlanta. Really cool interview. Um, got to sit down, talk to him on Zoom for about 20, 25 minutes. Uh, you know, guys, it was a pretty cool interview, right? Yeah, Definitely.
2: Um, and I think this makes us an official uh, Atlanta United
0: podcast, correct? No, right there. Nope.
1: Can't, well, we'll, can't, we'll, keep
0: an, we'll keep an eye out for Josh, and yeah. but you know, Josh,
2: I'll, I'll roll with you at Atlanta United.
0: You know, we, we got to talk to Josh about everything from getting drafted to playing college ball to playing club, playing against MLS guys, and his favorite UNH stuff. So uh, here's Josh Bauer and we'll get back to you on the other side all right we now welcome on the first guest interview of the easier said than dawn podcast josh bauer is a two-time america east defender of the year from unh he was a semifinalist for the herman trophy award for best college soccer player and was most recently an mls super draft pick of atlanta united josh thanks for coming on man
3: yeah thank you guys for having me excited to be here
0: yeah i mean it's it's pretty cool being at school right now and seeing an athlete, you know, go uh, go to the next level. Small school at, like UNH is uh, it's it's kind of rare, so it's it's definitely cool to see. So we're happy to have you on.
3: Yeah, appreciate it again. Thank you.
0: So uh, I guess we'll start from the beginning. So you're from Bedford, New Hampshire. Uh, like, where'd you play your club ball? You know, was there any any ever doubt that you were going to end up at UNH?
3: Uh yes, definitely a doubt that I was going to end up at UNH. Um, So I moved to Bedford uh, after seventh grade. So I had eighth grade and then high school in in Bedford. Um, And I played my club. Uh, So initially when I came over here, John Price was like the guy of soccer in in New Hampshire and he was at Seacoast. But right when I moved over, he transitioned to GPS New Hampshire, um, which actually worked out better for my situation because it was, closer to where I lived. So um, I played club for GPS in New Hampshire uh, all throughout high school. And uh, then, yeah, just how I got to UNH, um, I wasn't even sure about playing college soccer in the beginning. I didn't really know if it was a potential for me. Um, I studied biomedical science when I was in, in school. So, and I knew I was going to study that. So um, I was a little bit worried about balancing school and soccer and if I could do it or not. Um, but, you know, ultimately I decided I wanted to play soccer and commit to that um, as well as my academics, um, and, you know, fortunately enough for me, Mark Hubbard uh, made me an offer to come play Division One soccer at UNH, and, uh, you know, I, I couldn't pass that up. Definitely,
0: definitely. Um, so there was some rumored, like, MLS interest for you last year. You ultimately came out and said that you were going to be coming back to UNH for your last season, and then COVID happened. Um, and that kind of ruined everything. So like kind of what was going through your head when you found out that, you know, the season was getting canceled and like trying to figure out what your next steps were gonna be?
3: Yeah, so uh, I mean, first of all, in my mind, the way I saw it was I had one semester left to to complete my degree, which is why I had decided to come back to UNH. Um, and I ended up graduating in the spring of uh, 2020 and then it was a matter of okay what do I do up until the draft because the draft's in January and I still had a season left of eligibility to play in the fall and yeah you're right I mean that's right when COVID hit Um, and obviously it was a big a big deal at the time because you know we're still as a country in general figuring out how to navigate this uh, pandemic and obviously, through loop in, in soccer, with canceling our season, um, at first, you know, it, it was just tough to even come to terms with, because in my mind, I had it set, you know, okay, this will be my last, my last go at it, uh, and to have that taken away, you know, it it, it definitely hurt a lot. But um, you know, it opened up new doors and new opportunities for me. So, uh, and, you know, I'm I'm here now, so I I really can't complain. You know, everything happens for a reason. Definitely.
2: When, uh, when did you kind of know that the pro route was, uh, you know, a thing for you and when you could kind of play at that professional level?
3: Um, there was a time after. So I redshirted my freshman year uh, at UNH. So I, didn't, I didn't play a minute. Um, and during that year, you know, I, I had obviously been training and working hard to get better, you know, working on my weaknesses and whatnot with the coaching staff. Um, so I definitely saw some some big improvement from the end of my senior year in high school to the end of my freshman year of college. Um, still wasn't quite sure, you know, where I was yet because I hadn't actually played a game for UNH. Um, but then my sophomore year of, of school, which would have been my, my first year playing, um, I was fortunate enough, you know, to be on a, a good team that was, you know, Mark Hubbard had kind of and the rest of the staff had flipped the program around um, from where UNH was and, and brought us to, you know, somewhat of a national spotlight. Um, and then, you know, myself, I excelled in the system and with the guys around me and um, saw even more improvement from the end of my freshman year to the end of my sophomore year. And that's kind of when things got a little more serious, just talking with the coaching staff and and them basically telling me like me not even realizing it myself but them kind of letting me know you know you have potential to play at the next level if if you're willing to put in the work for it and if if you if that's what you want to do um and obviously that's what I wanted to do and I was definitely willing to put the work in um so I think sometime at the end of my sophomore year kind of going into my junior year um is is when I realized it would be a, a real possibility
1: yeah, and as as we're talking about the professional game, uh instead of playing that last season, you joined Birmingham Legion of the USL on loan. So, talk to me through that, talk me through that whole process and it was, what it was like to get your first professional experience there.
3: Yeah, so definitely very grateful for that opportunity. Um so that was really kind of a last minute scramble, I guess, if you if you want to call it that because you know, once the fall got canceled, um, which happened, I think we kind of knew right around early August or late July um, that we weren't going to have a season. And I was, it was like, okay, well, I'm not going to go back to school because the draft's in January. I've already graduated. I don't need to take more classes. So what do I do from August till January? Like that's, or till the end of January. So that's like six months a bit no organized like soccer or anything like that I mean you can train on your own and play pickup but that only gets you so far you know I needed to be in a competitive environment and, and challenging myself to get better um so you know right as that fall got canceled uh, is when I signed with my agent and he had been really good at, you know facilitating things and, and kind of knocking on some doors to get me um somewhat of an opportunity and uh Birmingham had a, had a spot open and they needed a guy to come fill in um, because they had some injuries going on along the back line. And um, they had kind of known about me because the, the staff had been, is New England based um, and they were connected with my agent. And ultimately that led to very quickly just uh, a process of me signing there and finishing out the the USL championship season there. So I was, I went down mid-August, um, till mid-October. So I was only there about two months. Um, but you know, it got me back in a competitive, competitive environment and, uh, getting me used to a pro level of training, um, and just everything that comes along with that being in, in that type of setting. So, um, I think that was a great opportunity for me and, um, definitely helped along the way for sure.
0: So you've already played against some MLS guys in college, whether that's like uh, a Keita, who ended up playing in the US U20 World Cup a couple years ago, um, Danny Pereira, who's the number one pick in this most recent draft. Who's the one guy that you played against, whether it was college or a club, where you were just like, "Damn, like that—that's another level that I haven't seen
1: yet."
3: Uh, Danny Pereira was definitely good, um, but I'm trying to think. I guess probably the the toughest players the toughest player that I like had to defend or just remember going against um, was probably Ryan Raposo uh, from Syracuse. He now plays uh, with Vancouver. Um, He, I mean, he's just a small shifty guy, good with the ball at his feet, like super attacking presence, um, creates a lot of chances. I mean, he, I think Nutmeg like four or five of our, our guys when we played them. Um, we were down two zero a at half. Uh, ultimately, we came back to tie at 2-2, but I, I think just um, he, he's a good player for sure um, and, and someone who challenged me defensively and um, someone who I was like, okay, like these are going to be the types of guys and even better than Raposo um, at the next level. So something I needed to kind of prepare, prepare myself for. Uh, going off of that, is there anybody on, you
2: know, Atlanta who you're, you know, you want to play with really bad or anybody else kind of throughout the MLS who you're looking forward to going against and kind of just being like, oh, shit, like I'm going against that guy?
3: Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, nowadays in the MLS there's at least someone on every team that's like, oh, wow, like, you know, a, a big-name player um, who's either come from overseas or had some good domestic success um, in the MLS. And with the national team. So um I guess just on the whole, just looking forward to competing um at, at the highest level in uh American soccer. Um and then as far as Atlanta goes, uh, you know, there's been some good success stories of guys like Miles Robinson who um was a super draft pick, came from Syracuse, came from college soccer and has made a name for himself um a center back as well. So someone to, to learn from and to kind of just see how they got to be where they are and try and kind of model myself after them um and then obviously you know you look at guys like joseph martinez um, one of the best strikers in in the league and uh just to be in um an environment with him on a daily basis um, learning from him, getting to train against him uh, and play with him and uh it's it's pretty cool pretty cool feeling and and something to challenge myself up against, and uh, also just, like I said, learn from.
1: So on the topic of uh, training in Atlanta, those facilities are widely regarded to be some of the best in the league and even across the world. So how have you uh, liked your early experiences there?
3: Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, top class for sure. Um, I actually came down to Atlanta last winter, so a little over a year ago um i was here for uh, the atlanta 2 combine um back when i was deciding between um going back to school or pursuing a professional career um so i kind of got a little uh preview of, of the facilities and everything like that and it's just uh, it's amazing i mean you walk up to the field and they have you know just big two grass fields side by side um a glass all glass like kind of like f- bold out garage door that um, goes right into the gym. Um, so guys can, you know, be on the bike or at watching training if they're injured or something like that. And um, got the gym in there, the training room. Um, and then upstairs you got, uh, or you got the locker room obviously in there as well. And then upstairs you have uh, just a great kitchen where the, the, the staff there just cooks unreal food and get, gets you, Uh, fueled up before for breakfast and then after um for lunch so definitely in a professional setting professional environment um and can't complain one bit so a little bit different than uh unh (laughs) a little a little bit different than UNH. um you know that's that's one of the things though that that kind of unh installs in you is like you know we're not, maybe we're not having these unreal facilities, like some of the bigger ACC schools or stuff like that. But, um, it just kind of gets you to put your head down and do the work and, you know, you, you get what you get and, um, you have to work to, to get to the higher levels and stuff like that. And, and that's just something that UNH uses as a teaching point. Um, and the program itself has come a long way. Um, I know like the, our our assistant coach would always say, you know, we had to buy our cleats or buy our gear back in the day when I was playing here. You guys have it so nice, you know, you get all this free gear and and all this stuff like that. So I couldn't complain at all at UNH either, Um, but it's nice to be in this this environment for sure.
0: So uh, Atlanta's technical director is Carlos Bacanegra, who was an American World Cup uh, captain who played the same position as you. you know how cool is it what does it mean that someone that made it to the highest pinnacle of american soccer uh sees enough quality in you to take a take a chance in you
3: yeah uh it definitely means a lot um and you're right you know he's a legend um and on, on draft day he was the first person to call me and welcome me to the club um and just say hi and and facilitate my move down here and stuff like that so a uh, pretty surreal moment for me and um you know, like you said, it means a lot to to have them trust me and um, believe in in what I bring to the table, and uh, I'm excited to hopefully prove them prove their decision right. Just kind of a different
2: type of question. How cool is it that you get your own Wikipedia page? <laughs>
3: uh, yeah, I, I, that was pointed out to me um, a little while ago. Uh, it, it is a little cool, you know, but i try and stay away from you know googling your name and, and stuff like that because you're just bound to find something that you don't like but uh yeah it, it is cool It's cool
0: yeah i was doing a little doing a little like research before and uh type in josh bauer it's a wikipedia page and then it looks like a picture of like from your instagram is like the profile picture for it of like you <laughs> at like a restaurant or something
1: yeah
3: i think i i i have seen that i think that was uh that was on my on my my Twitter profile picture for a little while. I don't know how it's still up there, but it, it is there. Um, yeah, it was funny.
1: Well, a little soccer-related question. Um, so you're building a 5 side team. You're on it. Who are the four guys in the world that you want playing with you?
3: Any out of anyone current players? Anyone. Boy. Um. And I'm I'm on this team as well. So four others. Yeah.
1: Sorry. Well, you're gonna be on there either way, right?
3: <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, give me Sergio Ramos. Um, Messi. Um, let's see. Mbappe. And I'm going to go with the younger guy. I'm going to go with Holland. Just because he's been on a tear goal scorer right now.
0: Scored another bang today. day.
3: Yeah. Oh, I saw that left footed volley. Crazy. Crazy too good that was that was four right yep Yeah, that was four all right i was just making sure
0: all right so you're you're a unh guy two of us are unh guys got a couple questions for you yeah all right kind of rapid fire here libby's or scorps (sighs)
3: scorps on
0: the whole scorps what's the best off-campus restaurant
3: off-campus restaurant Mm, barrio that's a good that's a good choice yeah can't beat it.
0: Uh, oh. Sammy's or Camco? Uh,
3: that really depends on where I was living. Uh, but I'm gonna, I gotta ride with my guy at Camco.
0: Sammy's the man. Uh, best dining hall.
3: That's another tough one. Uh, I'm going, I gotta go Hoco. I know that's not a, a popular opinion, but I, I have to go Hoko. What's the reasoning behind that? The, um, the pasta bar, the slider bar, Buffalo chicken bar. Um, what else? Good. they back like freshman, sophomore year, maybe even junior year, they had uh, the best yogurt bar for breakfast. Um, yeah, I know, I know. It's, it's kind of an unpopular opinion. People don't like cocoa, but stir fry too. I ride with that.
0: I was about to say, I don't know if they have the stir fry bar in, in Atlanta, do they?
3: Uh, no, but I, I tell you what, salmon steak and, and it's just been good food to have every day, so. Touche, yeah. touche. Well, I won't lie, I used to hammer the slider bar. I would okay. get like six. Oh, yeah, you have to, of course, of course.
0: So you were talking about, um, Miles Robinson earlier. He's another New England guy. Um, you know, have you talked to him at all? What's, you know, or have you talked to him, you know, any of those, the, the senior guys, Joseph Martinez, any of those guys, have they reached out to you at all yet?
3: Uh, yeah, so when I got there initially, I think the first time I was talking with Miles, he was, he had known that I, I came from UNH, um, so he knew I was a New England guy, and we talked about that, um, just him being from the Boston area, um, so that was cool to talk with him about that again, and he also uh, went to Syracuse, and um, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Lucas Rubio. He was transferred to us. Um, a couple of years ago from from Syracuse uh, so there's kind of a little mutual connection there um Joseph's been kind of coming back from his injury so he's been doing a lot of individual sessions uh, although he did jump in with the group this week uh and in one of the warm-ups um I was there was three of us uh, it was me uh Ezekiel Barco and uh Joseph doing uh like the passing in the warm up so that was pretty cool uh still a little bit uh hesitancy it's a decent group yeah yeah yeah. a little hesitancy you know get into full-on conversation with him and stuff like that because he's very focused and dedicated right now to his rehab and and stuff like that um but you know i'm, I'm sure during pre actual preseason season pre-season that uh those conversations and stuff will arise
0: i got one more question for you and then we'll let you run
3: yeah
0: who you rocking with in the uh, champions league
3: psg yeah, they look like a wagon right now. If 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 assuming Neymar comes back and is good for you know you never know when he's going to miss a game or or whatnot but uh, I love PSG and um, hope they bring it home. Anybody but Liverpool. Yeah no I'm a, I'm a
0: huge Everton fan so they just beat Liverpool so I was going nuts right before you got on.
3: There you go there you go that's awesome. Yeah
0: no I mean it, it's tough to bet against City right now they look unstoppable.
3: Yeah I was going to say City uh, City as well they they're. I mean, they're obviously world-class. So either one of those two, City or, or PSG for me.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right, man. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for hopping on. Really appreciate it. Like I said, you're going to be the first guest on on the podcast. So uh, be, a, be a good first one to have.
3: Yeah, cool. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate uh, the questions. Great questions, by the way. Uh, and, and just the UNH questions as well. Uh, it, was, it was fun. Appreciate you guys. I'll look forward to uh, listening and following you guys along.
0: Appreciate it. Yeah. You too, man. All the best this season.
3: All right. Take it easy guys. See you later.
0: All right. And again, thanks to Josh Bauer for sitting down with us. Uh, Really cool to be able to talk to him about everything that's going on next week. going to have another interview. Uh, We're not going to say just who just yet you'll have to to come back next week to see, but it's going to be a really exciting one, one that we're really looking forward to and uh, one that's, that's definitely going to be an interesting sit down. So, let's get into our gambling roundtable here, and then Dave will give us something to ponder, and then we'll get out of here. Boys, I hit a plus 600 bet this week. Plus 600. That took me out of the basement. I'm above Dave now. Up 2.9 units. The Toffees came through. Everton with a 2-0 win over Liverpool. The first time they've beaten them since 2010. I was going nuts here at my place by myself at 12 o'clock on a Saturday morning. It was right before our, our Bauer interview. I was getting giddy. Um, so I went two and two, won Everton, won the Bruins. That was an easy one. Lost the Bayern one, like I said earlier, and then I lost Texas Tech beating Kansas. Kansas beat Texas
1: Tech last Saturday. Dave, how would you do? Um, I did pretty well. I was two and one. Let me just check my – check myself there uh Fulham beat Sheffield I'm two for two on the Fulham one so next time I come to you with a Fulham pick you better listen to me Iowa also won pretty big against Wisconsin Uh, that was good and then unfortunately OSU lost to Michigan so but it's okay because I will let Bob go perfect on the week um you want me to go through my picks now
0: uh, no, we'll come back to it. But um,
1: also, are we doing by units or record? Because my record is. We're doing.
0: We're doing by units.
1: My record's way better than yours, though. Okay,
0: was- it's nice that your your record is better than me. But gambling's about what? Making money.
1: Sure. Move on.
0: All right, Bob. I heard you had a good week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hotter in the sun.
2: That's all. Just leave it at that. <laughs> Literally, if you took me in the sun, we would be at the same temperature. Okay, so I'll just get into it. Um, I'd like to preface this with that is probably the hottest I've ever been. So if you take my picks and they don't start hitting, that's on you. Uh, I'm just going to try to give out winners every week. But we'll get to it. We're going all college basketball this week, Um, a big college basketball weekend. I'll just simply run through everything. Uh, News out of Illinois is that Io is hurt. I broke his nose and he's out till the Big Ten tournament. They are playing at Wisconsin this week. I'll take Wisconsin with the cover. Um, again, when your best player is out, I know some people uh, like to think that when the best player is out, you play better. But a guy of that stature, um, that's going to kill Illinois. So we don't know the lines yet. Lines don't come until Friday. But I'm going to take Wisconsin on the cover. Going down to the SEC, I'm going to take LSU Arkansas over. Two offenses who love to score. Um, A big game, probably, for tournament's sake. LSUs, I think, will get in. Arkansas is a lock in my mind. Um, That's a big game down there. We talked about it earlier. I'm riding the Oklahoma State bandwagon till the wheels fall off. Um, When you got a stud, you just let the stud go. Not that he's been, actually, he really hasn't been that great this year, but. At the end of the day, I want Cade Cunningham on my basketball team. So I have them on the upset win against Oklahoma. Uh, I'm going to take that straight up money line. And then Saturday night, I got a Sunday pick too, but Saturday night I'm rolling with Duke. Uh, Louisville and Duke, I bet that line's like three and a half, four and a half. Louisville got absolutely embarrassed by UNC. Duke is hitting its stride right now. Uh, I'm going to roll with the Blue Devils. And then Sunday, the big game on Sunday, another Big Ten game, another Ohio State game. We got Ohio State and Iowa. Give me Iowa to cover. And then I went with it last week. This guy is even better than Hunter Dickinson. Give me Luka Garza over in points and Iowa with the cover. So I believe that's six picks. Throw out more if uh, – Shit keeps hitting, but give me a six
0: pick, take it or leave it. It's make or break week on those standings, huh? 0-6 oh, could be disastrous. 0-6 could be disastrous. And there's not a lot of research went into these picks. It was just feeling gut okay, feeling. But I feel like those, pick, those picks tend to hit more. Cause, I mean, especially when you're hot, gut feeling goes a long way.
1: You really put like yourself it. out there this week, Bob. I like that. Uh, I'm with you with Oklahoma State, though. I mentioned it earlier. If you're not going to take the money line, 100%, take them to cover. Oklahoma should be favored by a couple points. Um, Ohio State to cover against Michigan State. That's actually tonight, Thursday at the time of recording, so you will know about that one. Again, the line is minus four. Ohio State, right, Brennan? I believe that's right. That's and correct. Then Texas money line over Texas Tech. Texas Tech, couple. Losses in a row, Oklahoma State, Kansas, and West Virginia. Not bad losses, obviously, but um, rivalry game, I'll take Texas over Texas Tech there, and I will stick with those three picks this week. All
0: right. I have three picks in the future. Um, My first pick is going to be, I mentioned them earlier, Georgia Tech on Saturday. I'm going to take them to cover. I'm assuming they're going to be underdogs, but I'm not 100% sure. I think they're the most underrated team in college basketball. Jose Alvarado is a firecracker at point guard. Um, we got one more. I forget the big name. His name is Moses. I can't remember his last name for the life of me. Uh, he had an incredible game against Virginia Tech on well, uh, Tuesday night. Um My second pick is going to be another college basketball pick. I'm going to go tonight. I'm going to take Iowa Moneyline over Michigan. I think Michigan's bound to lose at some point. Iowa's hot. This seems like a spot that Iowa could upset them. Michigan struggles against teams. I mean, it's tough to say they struggle, but they struggle against teams that shoot the three-point well, and Iowa is the – you could argue is the best um, three-point shooting team in the country. My soccer bet is going to be – a Juventus and Bayern Moneyline Parlay both playing uh Bayern's playing cologne should handle them easily, and they need to make up for me from last week. Juve is playing Hellas Verona, I believe. Um I have to double check on that. Yeah, Hellas Verona. That comes out to minus 120. Should be a lock, but who knows? You can never know in soccer. And then my future is going to be, Dave talked about them. I sent Bob, this earlier in the week. I'm going to take Kentucky to win the SEC tournament, make, the, make March Madness. They're plus 2,000 odds right now to win the SEC tournament. I'm going to put half a unit on them to win 10 units, and that is my future. I will fold it against me going forward. So if they do not win the SEC tournament, it will come out when this
1: happens. Love it. I don't really know. I don't, I can't follow you on the unit talk, but I'm all for it.
0: So, a unit pretty much is what you would throw on a typical bet. So, say it's, it's 10 bucks. Say, say you would throw 10 bucks on your normal bet, right? Yeah. So, half a unit to win 10 units would be $5 to win $100. So, it depends on what your unit is, but you just multiply it by however many units you're throwing. So, obviously, a bet that you're more confident in, you would throw more units at four. Gotcha. So I think currently right now, Bob has 6.9 units up. Dave is one unit up and I think I'm one or I'm 2.8 units up. So nipping at heels. Um, yeah. Dave, you got something to ponder for us?
1: Sure. Why not? Um, so trees are a cool thing. There's all our, they're all around us. Right you could probably look out the window and look at a tree from wherever you are, unless you're in like New Mexico or something, you can look at a cactus, but, um, trees, one person one day just look, looked at a tree and said, let's cut into this thing. And then we can make literally everything out of it. So I would like to thank that person because I'm sure whoever that person is has not gotten a lot of appreciation ever. So thank you to that person.
0: All right. Well, ponder that. We will see you guys back next week. Um don't forget to like and subscribe on Spotify. I don't know if this will get out onto iTunes in time. If not, we'll get you the link for that once that comes out. Like and subscribe on YouTube. Let us know if there's anything that you want us to talk about. Until then, we'll see you next week. Boys, we'll talk later. Peace. Peace.